Good morning, everybody. This is Pip Coleman coming in to do the Find Your Soul show. And I'm just muting myself <laughs> on the computer so that there's not like stereo Pip. Uh, today, we're continuing our conversation about failing, failing boldly. And we're going to be talking about lessons and inventions today. So, uh, and Daring Greatly, which is um, from the book the Wonder from, by the wonderful Brené Brown. I'm going to be um, sharing a little bit of her wisdom as well today. So say hello from wherever you are joining us and uh, give us a wave. Say hello. Let me know how you're doing. We are good down here. I'm good. <laughs> I'm going well. Uh, Phillip Island is uh, a wonderful, beautiful place to be and in this world as it is right now. Uh, the other day I was talking to um, a gentleman who was looking for whales uh, because we've had a lot of whales coming past Phillip Island and so I was going to all the hot spots to see whether I could see any whales, spouts or anything exciting and uh, he and I got chatting and he's just moved down to the island recently because he didn't want to live in Melbourne anymore, which makes perfect sense, um, you know, with the, the issues that have been going on here. And he and his wife are really enjoying being down here on the island where there's a little bit more freedom, a little bit more room to move and uh, less of, of an issue with restrictions and, and things like that, which is lovely. And he said that it was funny how I had just come up to him and just started talking to him, which would never happen in the middle of the city. <laughs> and it was, so it was really interesting to, um, to note how we are so lucky, so blessed to be able to do that. And also that's so interesting, isn't it? How we, in the big cities, we kind of avoid communicating and, and connecting with people. Whereas in smaller spaces, we tend to reach out a bit more and, and say, hi, good morning. You know, I say good morning to everybody when I'm riding my bike um, or walking. And uh, so that's interesting. That connection thing is really interesting. And I love it. <laughs> I love how people work. I love understanding how people work. So let's get into our topic today, which is, as I say, about failing. And uh, what I wanted to read to you today is a, the, the beginning of the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. She writes why she decided to call her book Daring Greatly. And it's because of Theodore Roosevelt's speech the citizenship in the Republic, which referred to um, the whole concept of stepping out and daring greatly and being the man in the arena, being in the game, engaging in life, basically. And so she liked this phrase and so she decided to call her book that and I'll explain why in a minute. So let me read you a little bit of the pass, a passage from the, the famous speech by Theodore Roosevelt and you'll understand what it's about. So it says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. 
The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena or woman whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst if he fails at least fails while daring greatly and Brene said that she really had an aha moment when she read that speech because she said this is vulnerability everything I've learned over my decades of research on vulnerability has taught me this exact lesson Vulnerability is not knowing victory or defeat. It's understanding the necessity of both. It's engaging. It's being all in. And she talks about that whole concept of trying to be perfect, trying to be bulletproof. Uh, you know, it's seductive to, to try to be perfect. But she says, we don't, ex that perfect and bulletproof don't exist in the human experience. We must walk into the arena, whatever it may be, a new relationship, an important meeting, our creative process, or difficult family conversations with courage and the willingness to engage. Rather than sitting on the sidelines and hurling judgment and advice, we must dare to show up and let ourselves be seen. This is vulnerability. This is daring greatly. And I love that whole concept of engaging. Uh, it's it's so interesting when you're hey when you have issues that come up in your life, when you are worried about do I have this conversation? Do I not have this conversation? Do I leave this relationship? Do I stay in this relationship? Do I leave this job? Do I start this job? You know, all of those questions come from that space of wanting to be perfect and that is something that as humans, we can't really be. Like honestly, it's not really possible for us to be absolutely perfect. I don't think there is anything in the world that is absolutely perfect. Perhaps the perfection of imperfection is perfect. The perfection of chaos is perfect. You know, um, if you talk about um, physics, and they talk about the, the theory of chaos and that that is, and change, that is the only thing that you can rely on. And that is so interesting to me, that whole concept, that uncertainty and being in that space of, of potentially failing, that, that feeling of vulnerability comes from there. Um, so that's really interesting. So I wanted to ask you today about if you have any um, if you'd like to, if you'd like to share your perception of lessons that you've learnt from failing or inventions that you've come to or come to create because of failures. Because if you think about it, I don't know if you know, and I know I learnt this from the movie, um, what's it called? The one about Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. <laughs> 
they, and I did kind of know this before, but in that movie, um, they're talking about, you know, the guy who invented the post-it note, the, the sticky note, this one. Um, apparently that was a, a guy who was trying to make glue. He was trying to make the, the stickiest glue in the world, the strongest glue in the world. And he was um, getting through all his different samples and nothing was working. It just wasn't sticking properly and he couldn't get it to really, really stick. And so what he ended up doing was somebody said to him, or he had a thought, I'm not sure whether there was someone else involved, but he had a thought of, you know, maybe he could use the, the not so sticky glue to do something else because he just couldn't get it to work, this really, really sticky glue. So he thought about all the things that he could do with the not so sticky glue and look what we have now. Sticky notes <laughs> um, that you can re-stick. How interesting is that? So his failure or what would be could be seen as failures actually turned out to be a multi-billion, billion dollar um, invention that led to us having something that I use more than once every day. You'll notice that almost everything has sticky notes on it <laughs> in my house. So that's an interesting concept that invention actually comes from failure. So I was thinking about the times that I had failed and the inventions or the lessons that came from that. And feel free to share your um, your comments below. I um, have both my computer and my phone up today because sometimes the comments don't come up in front of my face. <laughs> so, but I will go back and comment on your um, on your contribution if you do come in and, and make a comment. So, what I'd like to know is, have you what failures have you had where you've learned a lesson? Or what failures have you had where you invented something, created something new, okay? So I'm gonna share with you a couple of, of mine. So one of my stories in my book, Finding My Soul at Sea, for those of you who have not seen it, is there was a, a time when I was asked to be a character in a show, in a, like sing in a show that was um, on the cruise ship. So they asked me if I could be the Sonny Bono character to for this part of the show. So my colleague, a male colleague, was going to be Cher and I was going to be Sonny Bono and we had to dress up in the outfits and he had the long hair and the he was like, you know, really um, loved it. Like he really loved that whole thing and he was a good singer. He was actually a really good singer. So... He was all dressed up in his outfit with the long hair and he looked perfectly like Cher. And I had to dress in this like furry jacket from the 70s, you know, those sleeveless furry jackets. I had a little moustache, like a little um, Sonny Bono moustache and a wig. And um, I was sort of, the, the bottom part of me, but maybe cords or something like corduroys. And then, and then what they got me to do was kneel down on the ground and they put these half shoes on my knees. So they would look like, like it's strapped around my knees were these two little half shoes. So it looked like I was super, super short, shorter than I already am for those of you who know me. <laughs> super, super short to his really tall, lanky share, right? So what we had to do was come out on stage, walkie, walkie, walk, and it took me ages because I was kneeling on the ground 
all the way out to the front of the stage and then we had to sing I Got You Babe, which is obviously one of their famous songs. So we're, we're singing, we're singing, and I used to get really nervous beforehand because I, I'm good with the whole intuitive, let's just, um, you know, go with the flow kind of presentation. I was comfortable with that. I, I knew how to kind of, you know, feed off the audience and, and have those conversations, but I wasn't so good with remembering lines. And when I was in a stressful situation, remembering the lines would just be, it would just go straight out of my head. So I used to write the words to, I got you, babe, my lines on my hand. <laughs> And of course, then I would get sweaty and I would change the hands of the microphone. I wouldn't be able to see the words. And it was just every single time I went out there, I forgot the lines to the song. And I've, I know that song. I sing it all the time. Like if it comes on the radio, I know the song. If you started singing at a karaoke session, I would know the song. It's It was crazy that every single time I would go out there and fail, massively fail, just flat out awful like I was <laughs> and the other guy the in the share would he would just pick up my lines and sing the bits that I'd forgotten and the audience would cack themselves laughing and it was just it was awful I thought it was awful you know and uh the other thing that happened was that I was while I was singing the the sticky mustache would fall off my face usually around halfway through. I don't know why. Maybe they were using the post-it notes glue instead of the, the super glue. But anyway, so halfway through the show, they probably set it up knowing my team, um, my entertainment team <laughs> for a laugh. But halfway through the show, I'd be singing away, forgetting the words, and the moustache would fall off halfway through. Everybody would laugh. My, the, the other guy would pick up the moustache, <laughs> Cher would pick up the moustache and stick it back on me or put it on himself. And then again, there would be laughs. And it was so funny that the cruise director would say to me, you have to do that every week. And I was like, I'm not doing it on purpose. It's, it's the worst. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was trying to be, I was really, really wanting to be perfect in that moment, really wanting to be perfect. And every time it was like horrid and the, and the moustache falling off and the whole thing, it was just a comedy of errors, as they say. And that was really interesting to me that that actually was a selling point. That part of the show, everybody loved that part of the show and they wanted me to keep doing the bit because I was so bad at it that it made it look like it was, it was very funny. Now, that was something that... I would consider that as, you know, when I actually failed. And I'm not a super bad singer. I actually am quite a, quite a good, I can hold a tune. Although my sister would probably tell you that I can't, but that's because I muck around <laughs> when I sing. But I can actually sing okay. But the actual thing itself, the memory I have of doing that show and being um, that character was is actually, I find it really embarrassing. And I go, oh, that's so awful. It was, it was awful. But that those failures within that show made that bit quite funny, which you would consider a success, you know? So that was one of my examples. So if any of you have any other examples, please, um, please feel free to share your failures that kind of turned into lessons or inventions that you have. Um, the other one that I wanted to share with you was I, um, 
started doing meditation classes while I was working on board the cruise ship. So I started doing personal development classes. I started teaching meditation as part of the entertainment program because it wasn't available on board the ship. It was lacking. The, the soulful, um, relaxing part of the cruise was not really there. The, the mindful part of the cruise was not there. I think they did yoga classes, but that was all... Um, that was all they did. So I started doing some personal development classes and I started doing some meditation classes to add to the program so that people had a little bit more to, to do that was a bit more inward focused and a little bit more self-improvement focused. And uh, I enjoyed it myself. That was what I wanted to do. That was what I wanted to spend my time doing. So I really enjoyed myself doing that. And over the course of the first few um, weeks and months, I started to realize that the meditation CDs that I was playing were a little bit too long. So beginners, we were doing sort of 20 to 30 minute meditations and they were a little bit too long for beginners. So they were good if someone had been meditating for a little while, but when, you're, uh, when you were a newbie, it was kind of hard to um, to do to stay focused for that period of time, so I realised that I needed to create something else. I started to think about how could I help beginners to um, to do something else. So it might seem like I thought that was a failure on my part to begin with. I was like, oh no, I've been doing these long meditations; they're a bit too long, and people aren't liking them, and. It, and it's not that they, it turns out it wasn't that they weren't liking them, it's just that they were they were having issues with staying focused for that length of time. So they still came out relaxed, they still said that it was good, but I felt like they needed to practice at, for shorter amounts of time. Hi Kerry, nice to see you here. <laughs> I can see you on my computer that you said hello. So, um, I, what I decided to do was um, create these five-minute meditations for beginners and I started to teach those as part of my meditation program that I was doing while I was working on board the ships and that was a really good way to introduce people to meditation and so what could be seen as a failure in that I was doing the longer meditations first and they didn't work for some people um, then going, when I added in the new meditations, it pushed me to create something that did work. So that invention of those five minute meditations, which are now a CD and are now something that I teach my beginners, uh, when they come and do coaching with me, or if you come to a meditation class, um, the five minute meditation CD is on my website, pipcoleman.com, if you want to have a look at it in the store. And so I created 10 meditations that are about five to seven minutes long. And that way beginners could actually ease themselves into that practice of meditation, of mindfulness in a more gentle way. And they didn't have to focus for quite so long. So if you're a beginner meditator, then you might like to have a look at those meditations. So that is an example, or one of my examples, a couple of examples there of what could be considered failures that turned out to be not not failures at all. They were actually the, the lead-in to invention and lead-in to a lesson that 
I learned. So if you're out there and you have a lesson or an invention that you can think of, one that's really good that is, um, I know Kerry, will, you'll resonate with this, is creating food recipes. Because how many failures do we have that lead us to creating something really yummy to eat, right? Um, I know that you are a um, specialist <laughs> in creating unusual dishes, I heard. <laughs> and so you are, you know what I'm talking about with, with food. And the same goes with, you know, relationships, for example. If you are, when we move through relationships, and some of us may have been with someone for a really long time, okay? And even when you're in a relationship for a very long time, you will have situations that will come up and you'll you'll come up against a an issue. And you might have a fight, you might have a disagreement, you might have uh, a discussion that leads you to think that perhaps the the relationship is not going very well. And then you reframe, you rethink, and you change it up. And you have a lesson, a learning, and then you can move forward. Um, you might reinvent the relationship. You might go, look, we're not communicating very well. Let's reinvent this relationship. Let's go to a counseling session, or let's go to a workshop on communication. Let's learn to be more empathetic, um, whatever it is. And then you invent, reinvent your relationship. So, that, so that's within a relationship. You could also have failures, what you think are failures, in terms of moving through a number of different relationships. In my um, life, I have had a number of different relationships and each time I've refined what it is that I want and need and deserve in a relationship and the next time that I'm with somebody I'm always more aware of and more clear about what it is that I want in terms of how I'd like to be treated how I'd like to be spoken to how I want to love how I want to be loved and all of those things come from what could be perceived as failed relationships I think that's really interesting to reframe those things, to reframe failure and mistakes as actually lessons and inventions. Um, and that's what Brene Brown was talking about at the beginning there, where she's talking about getting in and engaging and not being worried about being a perfectionist or being bulletproof, because that's not possible in this, in this world, in this life. So... The, that's the other thing that we need to think about too is that whole concept of you know what does it mean to to be engaging you know what are you what are you doing in your life to engage more um, are you you know I can I know that um, since I've been living on my own I sometimes find myself not going out and engaging with people and staying a lot more in my space, being a little bit of a hermit. And uh, and that can be partly because I'm enjoying it, but I know that sometimes I do it because I'm not in the mood or I'm not feeling um, aligned or balanced or strong enough, courageous enough to go out and engage with other people. So that, that makes me go, oh, okay, I need to do a little bit more work on my feeling strong, feeling aligned, and my self-care, 
and, uh, and making sure that I do get courageous and go out there and engage with people. So the last thing that I want to talk about is with regard to invention. Um, Brene was talking to Oprah Winfrey on a podcast and she was talking about the book Daring Greatly and they were talking about how in workplaces we need to encourage our employees, managers, leaders, need to encourage their employees to be adventurous, to be courageous, to be vulnerable. Because if you have a workplace that embraces vulnerability and embraces um, trying things and making mistakes and going with that in that moving into that space of supporting each other in their new idea having ideas and trying stuff out you'll actually have a way better company than if you are constantly criticizing people for not doing it the way that you want it done so I thought that was really interesting because how many times have we been in jobs, I know I have, where the manager or the leader, I say manager because there are not as many leaders out there, in integrity-based leaders, as there are managers who are managing people but not actually encouraging and leading by example. Um, that maybe that's a generalization perhaps that's just my experience but i feel like that's what i'm seeing in the world is that we need more leaders who encourage people to be vulnerable who encourage people to share their ideas um, to to stretch and reach out further than what they normally do and that means being vulnerable and being allowed to be vulnerable so if you're supported in that space of being vulnerable you can make the bad glue for your for your sticky notes you can make you know a thousand bad batches of glue and the and be supported in that that you're working towards something that you are actually going to eventually invent or create something cool and that's something that is really important to foster so if you're a leader if you're a manager and you want to foster um, a space of invention, you want to grow your business and, uh, and get, get yourself out there more, then it's really important that you come from that space of encouraging vulnerability, encouraging people to be courageous. And that's what encourage means. It means making people, supporting people in that space of creating things trying stuff out new stuff so I thought that was really interesting and it does make me rethink you know some of the people who were my leaders um, I remember one particular um, cruise director who was amazing and we used to have so much fun he was a very creative person and he used to have his own show that he did and he was always very fun very encouraging and one of the things that he always did was whenever we went in and said can we try this activity or can we do this um, new process or can we you know have this form instead of that form he would say yes to every suggestion that we had because you don't know what's going to work until you try it and I loved that he was open to that. And there was a couple of other 
other managers who've been like that in my life too. And I loved that they were willing to let us try things because that's the only way that you're going to learn, you know. Um, I also read a quote, um, a meme the, um, the other day that was on, uh, I think it was actually here on our wellness community. And it said, fail, the letters of fail actually mean first attempt in learning. And I thought, oh, that's exactly right. A failure is a first attempt in learning, which is fantastic. And it's a little bit like fear. You know, when we think about fear, the, the letters of fear are, are um, also an anagram as well. And of course, I can't remember what the anagram is right now. Um, um, something about ego. Anyway, <laughs> let's just forget that one. <laughs> I'll come back to that another time. Um, we will we'll talk about that later. So anyway, failure. <laughs> that is the, the end of um, our series. This is the end of our series, my series of um, shows about failing boldly. Hope you got some um, in interesting information from these, this series. And we're going to move into next month talking about who are you? So who, authenticity, we're going to talk about um, who is the real you. So um, that's going to be interesting to, to discuss with you. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Let's have a look. Yes. Who are you? Are you completely authentic in your life? What are you doing in your life that is satisfying others' needs or desires rather than your own? So we're going to be doing lots of um, inquiry around who are you? You. Next month, that is July. So I hope you have a lovely week. This is Pip Coleman. I will catch up with you next week. Um, in July, quick announcement, in July, I am starting in the next round of enrollments for my Divine Alignment coaching program. If you are an earth angel who is feeling frustrated, um, disconnected and lost and you can't remember who you truly are anymore, then uh, the Divine Alignment Coaching Program might be for you. It helps you to uh, realign with your divine self, know yourself deeply, begin to trust yourself again and feel more connected. Um, I'd love to talk to you. If that's you, then uh, feel free to get in touch with me through my Facebook page, Pip Coleman Author Coach, or you might like to send me an email at pipcoleman at yahoo.com.au or a message, a PM. Feel free to do that too. So it's been lovely to talk to you today and have a fabulous week. I will see you next week on Find Your Soul Show. Bye for now. See ya.